welcome to the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us now. Here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, good to be with you today. And today we began our, our continuous series of messages that we started last time we were together. Uh, last week, Elliot. Uh, kicked off a message series that we're going to be involved in in the summer. And uh, we're going to kind of team teach through that. I'm going to be away at different Sundays and Elliot's going to be here. So we just kind of, we're going to move forward uh, together in a series of messages as we look at the one another statements that are in scripture. Now, I, I, I think it's going to be a fun study for us because uh, there are numerous places in the Bible where we find these statements that speak to the relationships that we have with one another. And, um, and I really believe that at this moment in history, um, the world is hungry for what God longs to do through you and the church. In fact, I want to tell you something. When I look at how messed up our world is, I don't know that there has been a better time in the history of mankind for the church to be light and salt in a dark and decaying world. You see, this is what I'm discovering. Even people that are far from God recognize that this place is getting darker and darker and darker. People that have no relationship with God at all are recognizing that things are getting worse. The attitude of people, the anger, the frustration, the, the, just the, the flippant attitude toward life itself. And everybody seems concerned and, and, and we're scrambling, wanting to do something about it. And, and we're trying all of the old, well-worn paths that lead to nowhere. Well, it's in, if we could just elect certain people, they could change. We could, maybe we could legislate some of this change that needs to happen. And you, you and I know that what we really need in the world today is a change of heart. And only God can do that. There's no law that can do that. Only God can change a heart. So what's really important is for us as a church to demonstrate to the world what that looks like at a time when the world is hungry for it. And what's gonna happen is they're gonna be drawn to the church. Just like Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. So if we just lift Jesus up in our lives, and the way we live our lives, the world's gonna come to us and say, that, that is what we're hungry for, that's what we want. And they need to see it in the church. Now, unfortunately, I don't think we always see it in the church. So what we're gonna look at over the next few weeks are some things that we might need to adjust in our own life as we move forward. And I think we can find the answer in these statements that we refer to sometimes as the one another statements in the Bible. Now, one another, Two words in English, only one word in Greek. One word that carries the idea of that one anothering. And there, 
the, the, the phrase or the word is used over a hundred times in the New Testament in 94 different verses. 60 of those verses speak directly to the relationships that we have with one another. And so when he says one another, he's talking about how we can enhance and make the relationships we have with each other better. He's going to tell us things that we need to do to one another and things that we should refrain from doing to one another as he focuses on the relationship. 60% of those one another phrases, that one another word is used by the apostle Paul and the instructions that he offers to believers. Four of them are about kissing. I'm going to let Elliot cover those. Well, when we think about the one another statements, I believe these are more important in the world today than ever before. And we're going to look at one of them today, and it's going to really allow you to see what I'm, what I'm talking about. The Bible tells us, get this, that we should be kind to one another. Now, now, now that really opens your eyes a little bit, doesn't it? Because... When we look around in the world that we're living in today, there's just not much kindness. And there's a desire for that. There's a need for that. So I want to tell you something. When the church, the people of God, demonstrate the kindness of Christ, the world's drawn to that. They want to know the secret. So today, we're going to talk about the that, that one another statement that Paul gives us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. So look with me, if you will, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, where Paul says that we are to be kind to one another. Now, the book of Ephesians is a fun book. Six chapters, first three chapters, really kind of talk about some theology and some deep thoughts. And then the last three chapters flesh that out. Talks about how do we apply that theology and those truths in our life. So the last three chapters of the book of, uh, of Ephesians are very practical in nature. And the text that we're looking at today is even more practical as it begins to focus on how we live this out in our lives. So not only is Paul going to tell us that we need to be kind to one another, he's going to tell us how to do that. And he's also going to tell us why we need to do that because he knows that we are inquisitive people. And when we're told to do something, we have this little thing in us that wants to know why you're asking me to do that or how do I do that. And Paul, I think, answers that in the text before us. So let's look together at that one verse and keep your Bible open because we're going to be looking at verses that are surrounding that verse over the course of our time together. But we find that one another phrase listed for us in verse 32. As Paul says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. 
Here, Paul says, be kind to one another. Now, I want to answer three questions, as I mentioned in our time together today. What is kindness, number one? And then we're going to talk about how we can exercise that in our lives, how we can become a people who are kind in a world that is mad around us, and uh, uh, the reason for this uh, one another commandment that Paul is giving us. Those three things. So first of all, what is kindness? Now immediately when I was writing this, I wanted to say, well, Webster says, but you know what? That's, that's kind of ancient, isn't it? That's what we used to say because there was only one dictionary when I was growing up. That was an old Webster dictionary you'd pull off the shelf. Now we go to the internet most of the time to get ours. So the Oxford um, uh, Dictionary defines kindness this way. It says that kindness is, listen to this, a behavior, a behavior that is marked by acts of generosity, consideration, and concern for others without expectation of praise or reward. So a dictionary definition of kindness is that it is an act of generosity or consideration or concern for other people expecting nothing in return. Now, now the word that's used here in, in the Bible is a word that comes from the same root word that another word comes from, the word gentleness. It really carries the, the, the ad, ad, attitude of grace in action. Now, we know in Christian circles today, we, we have an old standby definition for grace, right? Grace is the unmerited favor of God, that God shows grace to me when I don't deserve it and I have not done anything to earn it, the unmerited favor of God. Well, that's a good definition of grace. Well, if kindness is an act of grace, then ultimately what it's saying is that it is an action that is not motivated based on what you do. It's something that starts inside of me. In fact, it's not connected to you at all. It's not connected to our society. It's not connected to our world. So the fact that God calls us to be kind to one another doesn't mean that I am kind to you if you earn my kindness or if you deserve kindness. It doesn't mean that I'm kind to people that are in the world because they earn it or they deserve it or they do something worthy of it. To be kind literally means that's who I am. It is an expression of my inner character. Now, I want to say that again. Kindness, according to the Bible, is an expression of my inner character. It is who I am on the inside. And kindness is one of those things that is on the inside that must be displayed on the outside. If it is an expression of character, then it's expressed. 
It's something that must be displayed. And in fact, in the verse before us, there seems to be a progression of expression. Paul says, be kind to one another. And then he says, tenderhearted and forgiving. So kindness seems to always come with something else. Maybe it is an expression that never is given alone. It never acts alone, but always is expressed in, in unison with others. It's never without action. Be kind, tender-hearted. Now the word tender-hearted that he uses there literally means compassionate. It also carries the attitude of empathizing with someone. To, to be kind means that, that we look at another person with compassion and love. That we look at another person and empathize to recognize that. Now, I like what, well, I could put it this way. I remember a seminary professor saying to us years and years ago, hey, guys, be kind to everyone because everyone's having a bad day. You know, that, that's, that's pretty good philosophy. To be kind to others, recognizing that, that everybody's struggling. And especially now. Man, these are tough times that we're living in. Have you noticed that? And there are people that are angry around us, and a lot of times the anger is just an expression of, of hurt that they are going through. And the answer from us, if we're not careful, is to answer anger with anger. And, and what Paul says is, no, be, be kind. Be tenderhearted. Give room to other people for, for, for an attitude that is less than that. I'm not expecting anything in return. My default setting response to others is to just be kind. And with a kind word, tenderhearted. And I want to tell you something. What, he, what he's saying is this. Listen, because we're thinking about, and, and automatically we begin to think about, okay, this is the way that we're to respond to the world. No, this is the way we're to respond to each other in the church, when we respond this way in the family of faith, now he's talking about relationships and he talks about the family of faith. He talks about families at home, the kindness that we express. If you express this kind of kindness in your household at home, it's gonna make a difference, right? If you demonstrate tender-hearted compassion and empathy toward every person in your family, if you are kind to your wife and you're kind to your husband and you're not expecting anything in return and kindness is the response you give no matter what the response is on the other side, all of a sudden that begins to impact relationships. And Paul says that should be the relationship of the church. We are to be kind to one another. And all of a sudden, when there is that sense of kindness and compassion and empathy here, Listen, the world's hungry for that. The world is saying we just need to be more kind and more, and you know what? We're gonna discover in a moment, it's a part of our character. You can't conjure this up. It is something that's a part of our relationship with God. So there's a progression, he says, be tenderhearted. And he says, forgiving. You can't be kind to someone if you're not compassionate. 
You can't really be kind to someone if you're not empathetic with them. You can't be kind to someone if you're not willing to forgive. You see, if you hold a grudge, I can't be kind because there, there's, there's something that I'm, I'm holding back. There's an anger or resentment that, that is building within me. And so he says, true kindness is expressed and, and there's a progression of, of compassion and love and empathy. And there is an expression of forgiveness that is offered. Now, if I give you a picture of, of kindness so that we kind of have an idea of what it's talking about. We could look at the life of Mother Teresa. Do you remember her? Many of you uh, ha remember when she was alive and, and all, just an incredible woman, regardless of how you uh, stand uh, with regard to her. She, she was an incredible lady. And she demonstrated kindness at, at its purest level. And I, I think one of those moments was captured in a, in a photograph. Uh, there was a journalist that was doing a piece on Mother Ter Teresa, and he had traveled to Calcutta, and he was kind of following her around and her daily activities as she was doing work and, and would take pictures as, as he would kind of document this, um, this journey with her. And on one occasion, he was in a clinic with her as she was dressing this gaping open wound of a, of a person who had leprosy. And with tenderness, Mother Teresa released the bandages and began to apply medicine and new bandages on this open wound. And the, and the guy that was taking a picture of it photographed that moment. In fact, that actual photograph is in a museum in her, in her honor because it did kind of capture that moment. And, and in order to capture that photograph, he had to step closer to take it. And when he did, the smell was overwhelming to him, nauseating, made him sick. And, and he quickly took the photograph and had to retreat. Later... He said this to Mother Teresa as they were talking about that moment. I wouldn't do what you do for $10 million. And Mother Teresa said, friend, I wouldn't either. Because there was something in her that had to be expressed in compassion, kindness toward another person. And you know what? Paul said, that's what we need to be to one another. Well, that sounds great, but you don't know who I live with. You don't know who I work with. You don't know the kind of people I have to hang out with. And I've tried to be kind to them. And they won't, you know what, when you're kind to them, they just walk on you. They'll just walk all over you and take advantage of you. And they'll use you and abuse you if you're kind to them. And I've tried the kindest thing and it does not work. How in the world can I be kind in such a hostile place? Well, I think Paul gives us insight into how we can. He kind of zeroes in on the how in the verses that are right before this. In fact, he speaks of an exchange 
that makes kindness a part of our character. You remember I told you that I believe kindness is an expression of character. Let me give you my favorite definition of character. Character is who you are when no one else is looking. Character is what you do when there's nobody else around. When you know you won't get caught. That's your true character. And if our true character is kindness, it, it doesn't matter who's around. That's just the default setting of, of our life. And, it, and by the way, it, it's, we, we, we live in a society today that thinks somehow that kindness is weakness. It's not weakness. It comes from the same root word that the word gentleness comes from. And, and I grew up in Louisiana around horses and we had horses, powerful, strong, amazing animals. And we referred to a horse that had been broke, tame, had been broke to a bridle, to a halter, to ride. We referred to them as gentle, right? And we would ask the question, is this horse gentle? And what that means is, is he going to bite? Is he going to kick? Is he going to buck? Is he, is, he's got power, but is that power under control? So the word gentle means power under control. So we're not talking about weakness. But what we see in the text before us is that kindness happens as a result of an exchange. If you have a hard time being kind to people, it might be because you've not made the exchange. Look at what Paul says in verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Now as a continuation of that phrase, Paul is ultimately saying, hey, we gotta put this off. Now I want you to think about it for a moment. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking, all malice be put away and Twitter explodes and ceases to exist. That's, that's just my thought. If you get rid of anger, wrath, malice, there's a lot of social media platforms that will cease to exist because they they thrive in that world. And I want to tell you something. As a child of God, if you're on Twitter, you're, 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 you look different than everybody else. What you write has to look different. Because what we say doesn't contain anger or wrath or malice or clamor. In fact, in in the text before us, he says that we're to put off this stuff, bitterness. Bitterness literally means to bite. It, it, it pictures a poisonous snake that bites us and injects its poison so that it continues to do its work long after the bite. Bitterness is something that will enable us to say something and sometimes words spoken in our childhood follow us into our adult life, don't they? 
And there are some of you that are struggling today because of something that was said to you when you were a child. You tell a child when they're very young, they're dumb long enough, they'll believe it. You tell them they're worthless, they grow up thinking they're worthless. And those words bite, those bitterness words bite and inject their poison into us and it lives long after. And Paul says, listen, you got to put that off. You got to get rid of bitterness. And then he goes forward even beyond that to, to not only talk about the, the bitterness that's got to, he said, get rid of anger or wrath first. Wrath literally means a sudden outburst of anger. It's like a flame that just jumps up. It's rage in a moment. Paul said that that's not characteristic of those who are Christ followers. That we've got to somehow come to a place that we can control wrath and, and then and the surface emotion is calm and in control. Not, no, no sudden outbursts. He next follows with the word anger. Some people have seen wrath and anger as the same. They're not. Wrath is, is more shallow and, and surface. It's that sudden outburst. Anger is much deeper. Wrath is kind of surface level. Anger is something that can just brew deep within us for a long, long, long time. And no one sees it. Sometimes it destroys us before it's ever expressed outwardly. Paul said, listen, you got to get rid of anger. The word clamor that he uses there means the total loss of control. And sometimes we can come to a place that we just are so livid, we just lose complete control of our faculties. And he says, look, that is not characteristic of a Christ follower. So we're not like that. Get rid of evil speaking. The word evil speaking means harmful, slanderous, hurtful talk. And the final thing that he says we are to put off is malice, which is a depravity that really comprises a large group of evil that we can do. And Paul says, listen, guys, what I want you to understand is that's, that's the heart of the old man. Do you know why all this stuff is so prevalent in the social media world? Because the social media world is comprised of people that don't know Christ. And that's what's in them. In fact, earlier in this very passage of scripture, Paul says in, 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 in chapter 4, he said, so, so this I say and affirm together in verse 17 in the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles walk, like people that don't know God. Don't walk as they walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. What Paul is saying is, guys, we're not like that. We've put those things off. Now, some of you are saying, well, you know what, Pastor? I've tried. I've got a problem with anger, and I've tried, and I've tried, and tried, and I've done anger management, and I've done all these things, and... And I know that those are issues. And, and I'm going to tell you something. It, you, the reason we need to put these off, you, you do understand this will destroy a relationship, right? 
Anger will destroy a marriage. Anger will destroy a relationship you have with the children. Wrath will destroy a relationship with a close friend. Wrath, just to blow up anger, destroys. Clamor, total loss of control, destroys. Evil speaking destroys relationships. Malice destroys. Paul said, we got to put all of these things aside. And, and I've tried. I want to tell you something. You remember earlier I told you that the word that he uses for kindness is from the same root word that we get the word gentleness from. And Paul later on in the book of Galatians says this in chapter 5. He says, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit is the evidence of the tree. I know it's an apple tree because it bears apples. It has leaves that are consistent with an apple tree. The fruit of the tree tells you what kind of tree it is. And Paul said, the fruit of the Spirit, when God's Holy Spirit lives in you, he said, the fruit, the evidence of God in you is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Paul says, listen, the answer to trade all of those things off is to exchange those things for the new life we have in Christ. To say, Holy Spirit, I want you to control my life. When I control it, anger and wrath are pretty dominant. So I want you to control it. I want to give you control of my life. And as we give control of our life to the power of God, God begins to transform us from the inside so that all of a sudden the church, when you look at the church, doesn't look like the world. And when you look at the Twitter account of a Christian, it doesn't look like the Twitter account of a non-Christian. When you look at social media postings for a follower of Christ, it doesn't look like the, the postings. You see, we become so much like the world that the world doesn't see any hope in the church. But that's not the Christ that we've learned. When we live the Christ we've learned, the world will begin to notice, wait a minute, the kindness we say we desperately need is there. How do you guys do that? How are you able to survive in your families? How are you able to survive in the relationships you have in the world? You guys are facing the same challenge as I am. How are you able to do that? I'm glad you asked. It's because of our relationship with God. Now, the final thing Paul does is this. He says, so why is it a big deal? Why should I do it? Well, he tells us earlier in verse 30, uh, if you even go back further, he says, listen, guys, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We are to live our life under the control and the power of God. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In verse 30, it says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Now, this is what he's saying. How do I grieve the Holy Spirit? When there's anger in my life, when there's bitterness, 
when I respond to the world around me with wrath, when there's clamor and slander and malice. And you know why the Holy Spirit is grieved when that's in your life? Because this is what he says. Dude, Carol, that anger is gonna destroy your marriage. Don't you get it? If you keep doing this stuff, you're gonna destroy the relationship you have with your kids. Don't do that. It breaks my heart to see you walk down a path of destruction. Do you understand? Every, the heart of God is for us to thrive. And when God gives us commands and says, do this, it's because that's what works. And when Paul says, be kind to one another and exchange the old for the new, let God live through you and express kindness, your relationships with others will thrive. Two reasons he tells us. One, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The next one, I think, is kind of tucked away in verse 32 with that command. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving. Look at the latter part of it. Just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Why should I be kind to other people? Because I've experienced kindness. Why should I be kind to you when you were ugly and mean and rude to me? Because God showed kindness to me when I was that way. And God continues to forgive me in my hard-hearted condition as I come to him. And as the recipient, oh, listen, the reason this works in the church and it doesn't work anywhere else is because this is your life. I heard the story of a guy who, who was the CEO of a company and there was a young man in his company that was up and coming and doing well and all of a sudden it came to the attention of the CEO of the company that the reason that the young man was up and coming and doing was because he was doing some things illegal behind the scenes stealing from the company. The man was really broken hearted because he had invested in this young man. Brought him into his office, set him across the desk and said to him, you know, I'm going to have to let you go. In fact, what you've done is criminal. You could be arrested. You could be put in prison. It's not just that you've defrauded me and taken advantage of me, but you've, you, you, you've broke the law. The young man was broken and contrite and he asked him several questions and the young man was absolutely honest to confess everything. This is what I did. This is how I did it. This is, he held nothing back. And then the old wise boss simply said this to him. I'm going to ask you a question. If I let you stay and if I don't report this to the authorities from this moment forward, can I trust you? And the young man thought for a moment and overwhelmed said, yes, I, I, I've learned, but why would you do that? And he said, because there's not just one person sitting at this desk who has received mercy, there are two. I made a mistake too one time in my life. 
and I was shown kindness. And because I was shown kindness, I choose to show you kindness. Paul said, since we are the recipients of God's kindness and forgiveness and love, above all people, that's the default setting of how we relate to others. Would you bow your head with me just for a moment? Simple truth that we've looked at today, nothing new, nothing fancy, but I just want you to just examine your heart and just kind of focus on the people right around you. And is it possible that, that maybe this kindness thing needs to begin at home, that there are some issues at home that need to be settled? Some of you right now need to, to really confess to the Lord that I've not been the kind of husband that I need to be the father, the wife, the mother. I've not been the kind of child that I need to be in relationship to my parents, the brother I need to be, the sister I need, whatever it is, God may be touching your heart saying, you know what, you don't look as much like me as you do the world and it's impacting your relationships. And so today's the day to fix that. And we fix that by confessing it to him and asking him to forgive us. Father, thank you for your word and how it exposes areas in our life that need attention. Thank you for this simple command. Even though it's impossible for us to do, we, we can't be kind in a broken, fallen world. But, but as we submit to you in the power of your Holy Spirit, you enable us to. So would you today fill us with your Holy Spirit? We confess our sin and ask you to forgive us and cleanse us and then fill us, Holy Spirit, and let us live as Christ in a world that desperately needs him. Restore broken relationships. And let this be the first step in Jesus' name, amen. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry. Send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.